Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right. This week's iTunes review of the week is from, love this name, Jojo Rankin. So Jojo Rankin says, Christian dad, so good. This is such a powerful mission. Thank you for putting this podcast together. Excited to listen more. So thank you, Jojo. Appreciate the or the, the Apple podcast review of the week now that they changed their name. So thank you, Jojo. And we'll roll into this week's episode. All right. We have got a fantastic guest with us on this week. He's listening, so I got to say some good things to him right now. <laughs> I, I'm seriously so excited. I've been waiting for this opportunity for such a long time. Before I ever had a podcast, I've been excited for this book to come out, and there was delay after delay after delay, and I'm sure we'll get to hear the story behind it, but who we're about to interview, his name is Vaughn Kohler. Vaughn has just the most unique and diverse story and background of so many people that I know. It's crazy. So Vaughn is a former Protestant pastor. He realized one day that he needed to quit that job and find a new calling in life. He's a professional writer, author. He's got unbelievable social media experience. He's hung out with people that live in the excellence culture of the world. And when I mean hang out, he has been the co-host of the MF CEO podcast with Andy Frisella that gets over a million or millions of downloads every month, like just a massive, massive podcast out there. And Vaughn's just been that guy that's steady, consistent. He's shared struggles with me. I've shared my struggles with him over the years. And well, his book that just came out is just awesome. It's called Sacred Drive, Bi Biblical Principles for Pursuing Your God-Given Potential. Not only that, but the, the thing that I love the most about, well, not necessarily about you, but the, the piece that really means so much in my personal life is the fact that you and your wife have such a fantastic relationship. It's not always perfect. <laughs> I know you well enough to know that you are definitely a flawed man. We all are, but it's nice for me to know that you have some flaws and to see you and your wife navigate things. And I can relate to you from the guy perspective. I've definitely got my own flaws that my wife's got to put up with too. So these days you also have another job at St. Isidore's out That's in Manhattan, right. Manhattan, Kansas. So Vaughn, I'm so excited to have you with us. Juan, congratulations on finally getting your book finished <laughs> and released. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. It, it is uh, a great pleasure to be on here with you. And uh, I, I have to chuckle. See, I'm broadcasting live from my basement office that literally has nothing in it because we moved here just a couple months ago and I have yet to really decorate or do anything with this office. So I, I'm literally standing or sitting in front of a closet. So not quite as <laughs> impressive as I'm sure a lot of your uh, your guests have, you know, the, the really amazing background that right. maybe there's the, you could tell that somebody's in this really posh office with a view of the sunset in the background. You're not going to get any of that with me. <laughs> 
<laughs> no. I'm in the middle of the Flint Hills of Kansas in a basement office that has nothing in it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it's great to be, to be doing this. I'm, I'm really deeply honored, honestly. You don't know this, but I often, I often refer to you at, when I'm talking to my wife or people that I know, there's two people that I just have, uh, that I think have just absolute golden hearts. One is my college roommate. Uh, who, when we graduated, he became a teacher in the Colorado Springs school system. He just has a golden heart, has a deep, sincere love for people. And then you are another one who just has a deep, sincere love for people and a desire to serve them. And so I'm, I'm deeply honored that, uh, that I'm on this show. It's great. And you're right. We're both flawed men. And the worst of it, we can say for our priests. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, that's the second time I've heard that today. <laughs> so I was on a on a call earlier today, and uh, the guy leading that call, uh, his name's Mark King, and Mark said a very very similar comment, and I wasn't expecting it at all because he yeah. was you know it was a group of fifty people live or whatever, and I'm like, oh my goodness. So thank yeah, you. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, sometimes we're we're our own worst critic, you know, because you know your own flaws and you know the deep deep darkness in your own heart and the the different shades in your character that not everybody knows but that doesn't mean that you're not greatly loved by god and and a valuable human being who's contributing to the world and so it's good to have brothers and sisters in our lives that remind us that we're not as bad as we think we are (laughs) or we might be but god's still using us (laughs) yes yes absolutely yeah clip clip that off everybody and write that down as an affirmation like just step into what vaughn just said because the more you do it and the more you step towards that, life just gets better. So I, I truly don't let my flaws bother me anymore. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. It's like, hey, there it is. There's a flaw. What am I going to do about it? Am I going to just accept it yeah. and move on? Or am I going to do something about it and get better in that area? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, just leave it alone. Somebody else can do it better than I can and, you know, let them. Yeah. for sure. So yeah, I'm excited to be on this uh, call and I'm excited for whatever you want to talk about. There's so much good stuff in this book, but before I jump into that, I do want to tell you something. Well, I do want to tell you two things. One is you are like so educated, so smart, so intelligent. And oftentimes people might would think somebody like you might not be in the greatest physical shape. (laughs) Because the intellectuals are so smart and they're so focused on becoming smarter that they maybe aren't the strongest guys and whatever. And knowing that you were, you know, with Andy supplement superstores and all that stuff and accessible and we'd hang out. And I thought, Hey, let me get you to the gym. You mentioned you do some stuff from time to time. And I got you to the gym at a time where I was in pretty dang good shape. And you had maybe been not as consistent with your workouts as you had liked to have been. And I'll be darned if you didn't hang with me for that workout (laughs) and were strong and powerful. And I just was not expecting that. I was expecting to need to slow down and, (laughs) you know, kind of baby along and, you know, show you what a dumbbell was. Not that you didn't know what a dumbbell was, but right. (laughs) You know, no, I, I get it. Well, that's the benefit of being part of the first form culture the culture of Andy's uh, nutritional supplement company is that, you know, fitness is really stressed but, you know, Dan, you know, as Christians and as Catholics, you know, the Catholic catechism teaches that human beings are a unity of the, the physical and the spiritual. We have a body and we have a soul. And I was just teaching my girls this the other day in the story of Genesis in 
Genesis chapter one, where God basically creates the first human being and he creates him from the dust of the earth and breathes into him the breath of life. Well, the dust of the earth became our body and that's the physical component and the breath of life that God breathes into it into us, that's the soul. And the body affects the soul and the soul affects the body. And so I get what you're saying about intellectual people who sort of get into the abstract aspects of life. But I think we all have a calling before God to really value our bodies because to whatever extent we are healthy physically, that's going to influence our spiritual life. And, and the two just inter, interact in a way that is, is vitally important. So it's not just the, the peer pressure of being part of a fitness culture that I, you know, for the last couple of years, but it's also something I think scripture is very clear about that we are to treat our bodies well because they are created by God and they are the temples of the Holy Spirit. How has that played into your life or your family or maybe somebody, because I know you do some coaching with some high level people. Talk a little bit about more about that, because a lot of guys I talk to, they're more into the physical fitness and then they lack in other areas of their life big time or yeah. they're great in other areas and they totally lack in in mental health or physical right. health or any of those type things. Yeah, well, I mean, let's face it. Each of us has strengths and weaknesses. It's amazing that we can be disciplined in one area of our life and not be so disciplined in another area of our life. But human beings are complex, complicated creatures, and we're not always consistent. But what I have found is that if we can really get a hold of our physical fitness and we can discipline ourselves in that area of life, that discipline does tend to pour out and spill over into other areas of our lives in which other areas don't. Like, it's funny, a lot of people can be very disciplined to study, but that doesn't necessarily pour out into fitness or their physical health. There's something about training your body that just gets your whole life in shape if you really let it. And so, and I don't think it's a coincidence at all that in the New Testament, St. Paul very often uses athletics and areas where there's a lot required physically as analogies for the spiritual life. So I, you know, there, there's that passage and I forget if it's uh, first or second Timothy, but, but Paul is essentially telling his young charge, Timothy to, to be faithful in the ministry. And three of the, three of the analogies that he uses are a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And all <laughs> three of those require physical fitness, require real physical endurance and vitality. And I don't think it's a, uh, a coincidence that those things are used as analogies for how you're going to succeed in your spiritual life. Because like I said, I, there's just something about physical fitness that when you take, take it seriously, it tends to then extend into every area of your life. Now, I got to be honest with you. I mean, everybody has different f- fitness goals. My main fitness goal is you know, strength to live and also just energy for my family. But whereas a younger man who might be single might just be relentless in working out every day because he wants six-pack abs, that is not my motivation. I mean, it would be nice (laughs) if I had them, but what does a 47-year-old married guy need six-pack abs for? And so in order to get those, I'd have to really invest an inordinate amount of time in the gym, which would take away from other aspects of my life. And so for me, that's a personal choice. I just don't. I, I do not work out enough to have six pack abs. Now, maybe over time I could, you know, that would happen. But for me, I, I'm, I try to be very regular three or four times a week in the gym and then always do weight training, but also, you know, spice it up with some cardio here and there. There, We have a Peloton 
which needs to be used more than it is. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, again, more more physical energy, more physical health, that's going to positively affect your spiritual life. Yeah. Before I had kids, it just came up, came upon me one day. I'm like, I got to, I got to get after this. <laughs> my body is starting to fall apart and I got to <laughs> fix this. And my reason why was because not only did I want to play with my kids and I wanted to be the dad at the park who was, you know, getting after it with the kids as opposed to the dad at the park that's in the car or sitting on the bench on the cell phone, you know, whatever. I'm like, I want to play with my kids. Not only do I want to do that, but I want to play with my grandkids. Yeah, for sure. And I'm like, sure. if, if that doesn't change now, it never will. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it, it's made all the difference. So I'm, I'm glad that I have a active capacity to me where I run, work out, that type thing. And yeah. the people around me all tend to <laughs> work out, run. Yeah. It's funny you attract and step into those type relationships or people that are around you, you know, become like you. So for sure, just like you mentioned with the first form and, uh, you know, they've got the 75 hard and that helped propel you into being in better physical shape. Absolutely. Absolutely. Plus once you do it for any length of time, you really start feeling the benefits of it and it's easier to discipline yourself to do it because you're like, I don't want to go back to being sluggish and unfocused and you want to feel good about yourself. And I mean, just in practical terms, when your clothes fit better, you feel good. And so it's a good accountability and it's good. It's a good motivation to keep on keeping on. So I was talking to the COO of a company called Stadium Drop. So they're getting ready to be all throughout the country. So you can be at the stadium and push a button and get the food that you want specifically from whatever vendor you want and have it delivered directly to your seat. (laughs) That's amazing. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) So he says... As I was talking and I'm like, man, I just heard Vaughn say this the other day. So he's like, us as Christians, we've got to have faith and we have to have excellence. Mm -hmm. And he says, you got to do everything with the spirit of excellence so Mm -hmm. that people see that and they're drawn to you and people start stepping in line and and you attract a crowd. And it's so Mm -hmm. true when people see excellence and that's one of the reasons why you're on this podcast today, I like to collect people of excellence in my life and people like to listen to the podcast because of the stories, because of the things that are just outside of everyday life. Uh, people love the vulnerability that people have and sharing, sharing the story, whatever it might be. But I heard you say that the other day, you were, you and uh, Ben Newman, famous, mm-hmm. famous uh, high performance coach, yeah. uh, St. Louis guy, yeah. Manhattan, Kansas, all the thing. I have to stay away from football, though, as we'll talk about Manhattan and <laughs> K-State Wildcat football. So, Vaughn, you didn't hear that. <laughs> right, exactly. But faith and excellence. And I'm like, that's it. You, you got to combine those things. And I know you've been in both cultures. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what that means in your life and what you've seen and observed? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is that faith and excellence are similar in that you can't go on automatic pilot. There is a famous pastor named Eugene Peterson. I think he died a couple of years ago. He defined faith as a long, hard obedience in the same direction. So it's not this just this individual moment where you say, oh, I believe in God or I'm going to be committed to him. It's a daily, as Jesus says, taking up your cross to follow him. And so there are there are going to be days that you 
are an exemplar of faith. And then there are be other days where you're kind of a train wreck. And the, the, the goal is to not get too focused on your victories or your defeats, but to work for consistency, the long, hard obedience in the same direction over the course of time. Try to be consistent day in and day out on growing in faith, hope, and love. And it's the same thing with excellence. You look at me on one day, I'm crushing my goals. I'm you know, I'm riding high, but there are seasons in my life where things get difficult. Maybe there's a change in my schedule and I have to adjust to that. I got to kind of get my sea legs. Um, there might be some other factors. And the key is always to try to figure out what can I do to remain consistent? You know, I've talked about this before in my newsletter. I think I had an issue or a, a week where I talked about this, where it's amazing how you look at the great spiritual masters and they all said things that are very similar to what some of the so-called self-help gurus say today, which is that like somebody like a St. Ignatius of Loyola, he would say, don't make too much of your spiritual mountaintop experiences because that's not really life. Life is not consistently being lived on the mountain where you feel so close to God and that everything is miraculous. But he also says, don't make too much about when you, you have a real spiritual failure. He said, because if you do that, the devil's going to lock you in with guilt and shame, and you're going to just stay in there. He says, but the best thing to do is just aim for that, that middle ground, that consistency of walking in faith, walking in obedience. And it's the same way in, in personal development and excellence. I remember a couple of year, uh, months ago, I kind of was going through a funk, and I went to visit Andy, and he could tell that I was I was in a funk. And he said, you know, he walked me into the conference room. He got in front of a whiteboard and he wrote this. He wrote he 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 wrote on the whiteboard and he wrote this big arc and then he wrote this big dip. And he said, "I noticed that when you're on the top here, you think, oh, I'm a baller. I'm amazing. Like I'm crushing it.'" He says, "When you go into the dip area, he says you uh, you really pile on yourself. Like all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm such a loser. I can't believe you know with all the stuff I've learned that I'm failing in this way." He said, the reality is you're making too much of the victories and you're making too much of the defeats. He said, when you were when you were on the high point, you weren't a baller. You were just doing those critical tasks that were necessary to succeed and to be excellent. And when you were on the low points, you're not a loser. You just stop doing those critical tasks. You stop doing the things that that produce excellence and success. So all you have to do instead of beating yourself up and trying to talk yourself out of the pit is just start doing the things that produce success and excellence. And it's just amazing that there's so much interplay between the spiritual life and personal development, because it's true, is that it's really about forming regular habits and completing those critical tasks every day that are not only gonna help you grow closer to God and, and develop spiritually and mature spiritually, but also just develop those habits and those critical tasks that, that are gonna help you succeed and be excellent. And so, it, it, again, it's a, it's a journey. It, it's not a one-time thing. And that's what everybody needs to know. And that's, that's kind of what I've observed as I've, on the one hand, seen this sort of pantheon of amazing gurus of, of self-help and excellence, like the Andy Frisellas and the Sal Frisellas and the David Goggins of the world. But then on the other, other side, I see the saints and the holy men and women throughout the ages. There's a lot of overlap in terms of the basic principles. Now, in personal development, many times the goal is simply self-actualization and money and what we might call earthly accomplishments. On the side of the saints, the ultimate goal is to honor God 
and to to be salt and light in the world. What I would argue is that there is a middle ground where you can do both. You can you can succeed in your job. You can succeed in athletics. You can succeed in any area of quote unquote earthly life and be ultimately driven by wanting to succeed because you want to honor God and you want to do good do good in the world. And so that's kind of what my well not not kind of that is what my book is about. It is about how to crush your goals, how to pursue success and excellence, but to do so in a way that is an act of worship to God, an act of service to Jesus Christ. I know we've got definitely stories in the book. Every chapter's got stories in it. Every chapter's got quotes from might be a a saint or a biblical passage or and then we also have some outside of uh, outside of the spiritual world people quoted in there and everything so i i just love the format of it i love the questions at the end of the chapters like a super easy read and refreshing and anyway it's 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 awesome but thank you talking about your consistency your habits what are some things that are important in your own personal life that you do to develop that productivity, excellence, and mm-hmm. repeatability so that you can stay more at the top of the mountain or the top of that curve that Andy was talking about. Yeah. Well, I'll start with the spiritual life. You know, a couple of years ago, I was discouraged. I didn't feel like there was enough joy in my life. And I also was kind of wrestling with going from the the environment of a pastor where you're constantly surrounded by other Christians to then going to working at First Form where there's a lot of great people and a lot of them are very faith-filled. But working in a business environment where not everybody's a Christian, one of the things that was really heavy on my heart is what's the best way for me to be a good witness to Jesus in all this? And so I was I was sort of wrestling with this, and this phrase popped into my head, and it was uh, apostle of joy. And I thought, that's interesting. So I Googled it, and the first person to come up was St. Philip Neri, oh, who wow. is not as well-known in our in America, but he is one of the most well-known saints in Italy and really across the world. To make a long story short, at a time when the church was very corrupt and when his native Florence, and this was like the late 1600s, was just political turmoil, Philip went to Rome and simply by living a life of prayer and holiness And this is what was key about Philip. He was just super down to earth. He made relationships with everybody from the Pope to people in the, in the political court to, to notorious sinners. And he just knew how to love people in a really down to earth way. And, and that's how he transformed Rome by the end of his lifetime, Rome was completely transformed and he impacted the world in a, in a really powerful way. But what really I learned from St. Philip, I spent like a year diving deep into his life is that he was great at transforming people's lives. And the way that he transformed people's lives is that he believed that whatever you did a little of consistently, eventually you do a lot of. And so when people would come to him and say, well, my spiritual life is in shambles and he'd say, well, okay, here's a sentence prayer. I want you to pray this prayer every day. That's it? Yeah, that's it. A couple months, come back to me. So in a couple months, they'd come back to him and he'd say, no, I want you to do this. And just slowly, steadily, just little things, he helped people build a spiritual baseline that they could then, that was laying the foundation that they could then build on and the Holy Spirit could evolve and develop. And so for me, what I've learned is it sounds like laughably small, but if nothing else, I'm going to have 10 minutes a day where I'm going to do the following. When I wake up, this I got this idea from St. Uh, Jose and Maria Escriva. He talks about the heroic moment. 
the heroic moment is simply the time that you say, whether I'm tired or not, this is the time that I have said, I'm going to get up. I'm going to pull myself out of bed and I'm going to start battling for happiness and battling to be for, for God's work to be done in my life. And so with my coaching clients, I say, you know, you've got to set a, a heroic moment that you do no matter what. Okay. Now I say, no matter what, no compromise, no deviation, but God is not an ogre. He realizes that if you have six kids and they keep you up till three o'clock in the morning, it's okay to sleep in and get a little extra sleep. That's fine. But generally speaking, heroic moment is when you get up no matter what. And it's called the heroic moment because the idea is you don't want to think of waking up as just, I'm just rolling out of bed. I'm just rolling out of bed to start my day. No, you're waking up. There's good and evil. You live in a world where there's forces of darkness against the the forces of God and that your job is to wake up and live out your calling in your life. And so that's a heroic thing. And so that's why it's called the heroic moment is that you're waking up to this grand story that God is doing in and through you. The second thing I do, which again, sounds laughably easy. Historically, uh, great saints and holy people have called it the morning offering. All it is, is just a simple prayer of dedication to God every day. And you should tie it to something you do every day so that you don't forget. So I do it in the shower. Some people do it when they're drinking their protein shakes. But so what it is, is, uh, you know, the morning offering can take different forms. But what I do is I, I get up and I just, I pray, Lord, all of life is a gift. Today is a gift. My life is a gift. Help me to pursue my God-given potential, not just for my gain, but for the glory of God and the good of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. And I pray that every day. And it just sets the tone for, for the day. And it's, it's dedicating the day to the Lord. And then after that, I, I, if nothing else, I, t- I set my alarm for 10 minutes or set my timer for 10 minutes, which I know sounds really strange and sort of mechanical to set a timer for prayer. But I will tell you that as a writer, I have learned that setting a timer really helps you focus. So set the timer, put it aside. And I just very gently and, and reflectively and as, as focused as I can, I pray through the Lord's Prayer a couple times. And I don't know if you want me to go through exactly why I pray through the Lord's Prayer, but that is literally the, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. So if you don't know what to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer includes all the basic components for not only holiness, but I would say for having an extraordinary life. So when you say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, you're really praying that Lord, that God would show you how amazing he is and that you would respond in awe and wonder and enthusiasm. Think about if that's the way that, that you were as a person all the time. You would be a successful person. You would impact everybody you meet. And then the second petition is, um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The number one battle of life is the will. So you're asking God, I want your rule and reign to materialize in my will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're saying, God, I want the will to do what you want me to do. Your kingdom come. Uh, The next one is uh, give us this day our daily bread. Well, it's literally a, anybody will say that the key to success is to be grateful. Well, when you pray, give us this day our daily bread, you're basically saying, Lord, I acknowledge that everything comes from you. Everything is a gift. And so I'm actively receiving that gift. I'm taking it into my life and I'm recognizing my dependence on you. So that's what's so important about give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's literally praying, God, I want to make sure everything's right between you and me. And I want to make sure everything's right between me and everybody else. 
Imagine if all of the relationships on earth were harmonized, that we were right with God and we were right with each other. There'd be peace on earth. Now, there's not going to be peace on earth until Jesus comes back. But we are to pray that so that more and more people are reconciled to God and reconciled to each other. Uh, and then the final one, I, I think it's super important, which is uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so that final prayer is basically saying, hey, life is not a playground, it's a battleground. And so if you want to be successful, if you want to be successful in faith, and if you want to be successful in area of any area of life, you need to expect a battle. There's going to be a battle in your own heart, lead us not into temptation, and there's going to be a battle with the forces of evil, deliver us from the evil one. And so I pray that every day. Those are the fundamental building blocks of faith. Those are the fundamental building blocks of, of success, really. It's all it, it, now success according to how God defines it. But it's amazing that when you get those components right in your own life, good things happen professionally, good things happen physically, good things happen in every area of your life. So I do that for like five minutes. And then the other five minutes, and this is just me, the more and more that I work with overachievers, driven elite people. One of the things that they really struggle with is just peace. And the reason that they struggle with peace is because, you know, it's great for ambitious people to be driven. But usually when you're like that, you're also someone who wants to be in control. You're someone who wants to be a go-getter and you want to do things. And what happens is sometimes because you're oriented that way, you got anxiety. You are always thinking about the next thing. And sometimes you're obsessive. And so for me, I have the specific scripture that I regularly review for myself so much. And I believe in this so much that I have my girls, my girls can all say this scripture by heart. I mean, they can say it like that is Psalm 23, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me to beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And by the way, I love how my four-year-old Veronica does this. She goes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, she does that. <laughs> so she gets real into it. And then it's so sweet. She goes, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Then the next phrase is, um, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, which is basically the scripture saying that, that even when I'm in the midst of conflict, there is good. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Um, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And then I love, the, I love the last phrase in that psalm is, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Hebrew uh, doesn't just say goodness and mercy will follow me. It will pursue me. God is, God is a relentless pursuer. He wants to do good to us. And so I pray that, I meditate on that. I pray on that, I meditate on that because I think that the key to having real productivity and real power in your life and making an impact is to start from having a heart that is at peace. Everybody wants to be happy and I get that, but I actually what I want is I want to be at peace. I want to, be, I want to have what the Hebrews call shalom, which is being in good standing with God and good standing with others. And so that's what I would tell everybody. And, and, and literally, if you do all that, we're literally talking about 11 minutes, probably, maybe not much more than that. But that to me is the, is the critical baseline. That's, that's a place that if, if, I, if anybody's listening to this and they have, apps, you know, they're, they're a professing Christian of some kind, whether Catholic, Protestant or otherwise, but they would say, hey, I really don't have any spiritual walk. Start with that. And, and you know, I, I had a guy, and great guy. 
but I told him to do this for a month. And after we checked in a month later, I said, how's it going? I said, have you done it every day? He said, yeah. I said, how's it going? He goes, well, some days I really feel like it's routine. I go, that's awesome. That's awesome. Where have we gotten this idea that you have to be emotionally engaged and that every time you do what you're supposed to do, it's going to feel good and you're going to have fuzzies? I said, I want it to be routine because routine protects us from our feelings. It, it, it routine protects us from the tyranny of our emotions. Okay. And I said to him, yes, of course, in a perfect world, you would do all this and you would feel really close to God. But honestly, it kind of doesn't matter because your job is to be faithful. Your job is to consistently do what you're supposed to do. And God will bless that whether you feel like it or not. So that's what I would say to anybody who tries this. There might be days where it just sounds routine or it feels routine. That's okay. Doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. Doesn't mean it's not having benefits. As far as the other stuff, the critical task stuff, you know, with, with um, you know, once I get the spiritual baseline done, what I'm going to share is not rocket science. It's, you know, very similar to Andy, uh, Andy Frisella developed this program called uh, 75 Hard. Mm-hmm. And he basically says in the morning, you just got to figure out the, the five critical tasks that are going to move, move you toward your goal. You know, 75 Hard is a program where every day you, you know, you read, you read like 10 pages, you make sure you keep to a diet you make sure you drink enough water, you work out. And uh, I'm forgetting, what am I forgetting, Dan? I can't believe I'm forgetting the other one. Uh, Well, you take a progress picture, but if you're not doing 75 hard, you don't necessarily need to do that. But the 245 minute workout. Yeah, 245 minute workouts. But I mean, in terms of excellence, to me, it's, it's, you know, Tony Robbins talks about success leaves clues. Well, all successful people basically do the same thing. I mean, they might tweak it to their personality and their temperament, but you just make sure you exercise regularly. You make sure that there's some form of learning happening every day. And you're very intentional about identifying the tasks that need to be done to move you forward toward your goals. And you do them. And so I'll be honest. I mean, just to be real frank, one area of my life that I'm not real good at uh, in terms of being consistent is the visualization aspect of this. And I know that a lot of Christians are very uneasy about, ooh, visualization, you know, because, and the reality is that it's been, it's been associated with a lot of new agey sort of pop psychology stuff. And so I totally get that. But just as there's things that you can do for the wrong road motives, but there's also think you can do the same thing tweaked a little bit for the, for the glory of God. Visualization is the same way is all visualization is it's 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 imagining what you really want out of your life and it's regularly taking time to close your eyes and and to and to imagine that and certainly as catholics there is a rich rich tradition of what's called imaginative prayer where you're closing your eyes and you're and you're you're imagining yourself like in a place with jesus growing closer to him talking to him so this idea of using your imagination for for good purposes is is definitely has a has a mandate in the history of the catholic church yeah i mean it's just it's just closing your eyes and saying what what do i really want in life and by doing that that helps create the motivation that's that's like okay why am i doing this why am i working hard this is why you know so so that kind of from the aspect of the 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 things you do for daily excellence i mean i don't have anything to share that's radically different from anybody else but those are the the basic components that's great so i would say that in a lot of cases, that is radically different than a lot of other people. Hmm. And at the same time, 
It's not that difficult. No, it's not that difficult. It's just committing consistently to take an action. And you mentioned the feelings part of it. Oh, I didn't have those feelings. That's also great marriage advice as well. Right. I only tell my wife when I have that feeling of love. Otherwise, I feel like I'm lying to her. (laughs) Right. 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 It's like love is love is something that you you do no matter how you feel. Absolutely. And when you start with that, I don't know if you got any thoughts as related to marriage on that. Yeah. I mean, so obviously, again, it's it's great and ideal is for you to have warm fuzzies toward your wife and for the emotions to be engaged. But I think I think the mistake that people make is they they think the emotions come before the action. And it's not, that's not true at all. There was a phrase that I heard years ago that's always stuck in my mind. It was that action creates passion. And so I love you know, that. if I, yeah. And it's like, it, it, if you're sitting around waiting to feel some sort of sentimental love for your wife, for your husband, good luck. It's not going to happen. It doesn't work that way. We have to take actions and then our emotions come alongside those actions. And so, you know, I've even heard really great Christian counselors will tell couples who say, well, I just, we have no emotional connection. We don't feel anything to each other. And counselors will say, a good counselor will say, pretend that you do and just (laughs) act like you do. So instead of feeling like, oh, wow, I just love my husband so much. I'm going to go over and give him a hug give them a hug, consistently give them a hug, consistently act in ways that are kind and gentle and loving and affectionate. And your and eventually your emotions will follow suit, but you can't do it the other way around. It'll never happen. So that's just a general truism of all of life. You know, action creates passion. So maybe Apostle Paul, if I was hanging out with him <clears throat> back when I started to become a runner, my buddy, we were doing all kinds of little pre-workout stuff just to get our heart rate up, random stuff. And then we started consistently running at the beginning. And the idea was to do it for five minutes and three guys running on a treadmill together, hanging out before we work out. Next thing you know, it's 35 minutes, you know, so we're putting in three, right. four, five miles every day. And then we'd go work out. Yeah. Well, three, four, five miles a day, I think defines runner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so That's I, true accidentally became a runner and i'm like i actually enjoy running these days normally i have to have a a buddy with me or you know something in my ear some earbud type thing yeah i don't enjoy solo running but i enjoy running with company of you know whatever type but it was that immediate action i didn't enjoy it at the beginning yeah but the more i did it i got better at it and i started to really like it now i i can't imagine not having a daily routine that involves some type of, uh, you know, whatever. And usually I have to run at least a little bit, no matter uh, if I'm working out or not. Absolutely. And you know, Dan, what's really interesting is the scriptures are, it's kind of a, a mystery and a paradox because there's something that I, I talk about a lot. Uh, I just talked about this with one of my clients that Paul, St. Paul in the new Testament follows a, a pattern that I would, that has sometimes been referred to as indicative before imperative. And that's kind of a, I don't know, a technical sounding uh, term or a phrase, but what that basically means is the words indicative and imperative are taken from grammar, okay? So indicative is a mood that if you read a sentence, it simply means this is the way things are. So John is running is a phrase that's in the indicative mood. Imperative 
is when you read a sentence that's actually a command, like you must love the Lord your God. That's an imperative. Okay. Well, in the Bible, Paul always talks indicative before imperative. So what he would say is you are a child of God. That's the way things are. Therefore, act like it. <laughs> indicative before imperative. So in a sense, like I think about when I really first started uh, working for First Form and I wanted to get in shape, I remember meeting with Jared Bond, who's one of the, he's a great Christian guy. He's, he's one of their uh, trainers there. And, and he, he does all sorts of stuff. He works with their First Form uh, Legionnaires. But when we started working together, he said, now, Vaughn, you're an athlete. And I go, no, I'm, I'm not really an athlete. He's like, no, Vaughn, you are an athlete. And in, in my mind, I'm like, no, I've always been this scrawny guy who's not very athletic and wasn't good at sports. And so I really kicked back. I said, Jared, I'm not an athlete. He's like, you are an athlete. <laughs> and I said, I don't get that. He said, well, what are we doing right now? I said, we're training. He's like, he said, yeah, you're doing cardio. You're working on your body. You're lifting weights. Those are all things athletes do. You are an athlete. And that's what Paul would say. St. Paul would say, you are a child of God, therefore act like it. But then the flip side is true is like what you were saying is that, but you also can't wait around, consider yourself an athlete or a child of God and not do the things that athletes and ch children of God do. So it's this kind of weird paradox that you've got to reckon yourself as, you know, like Ben Newman talks about I am statements. So I am statements are, are choosing these things that you, you say, you know, like I am a New York Times bestseller. I am a highly sought after conference speaker. I am the go-to guy, the spiritual advisor for the elite of the world. You have to consider yourself those things, but you also have to take action to do the, the things that all those people do, you know? So that's something that is a huge aspect of excellence is having that mindset that you're already, you already are what you're wanting to be, but you also have to take action to reinforce that identity. Does that make sense? Absolutely makes sense. So, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's both and it's not an either or it's both and. No, that's so good. You have for the people that are still waiting for that second point from when we opened the podcast. <laughs> See, I just get on a roll and I don't stop, Dan. Before, gotta, before, be before I just totally leave that out, I'll just, this was the second thing I wanted to tell you. And you've already heard me tell you this in the past, but I just love when you lived in St. Louis and you and Kasha were our couple that we hung out with. Mm -hmm. And I loved having date night with you guys and just seeing your love for each other and how you cared for each other. And you guys were just a great kind of mentor couple for us mm. to grow in our relationship. And I appreciate that. And thank you for, for sharing oh. your, both of your lives with us in that kind of a way. Thank, your, thank you your, very much. your wife is a living saint. By she the way. is. She is. She has a <laughs> daily opportunity to be, to, to be holy. I give her lots of opportunities to grow in holiness, but no, I, I appreciate that, Dan. And, and the, what I would say, to be honest with you is whatever good fruits of, you know, godliness or excellence we have is only because we have gone ourselves through some very, very difficult times. And I would say to anybody uh, who is listening to this, who is, who is married, there is literally not any crisis that you can go through as a married couple that if the both of you are willing, you can overcome it with God's grace. Absolutely. I don't care. I literally don't care how bad it is. I don't care what you've gone through. If you both decide we're going to work on this marriage and we're going to trust in God and we're going to seek his will, 
you can have a transformation. And frankly, not just a transformation, but you be you might even be surprised how quickly the transformation happens if if the two of you really dedicate yourselves to God and to each other. So that's my word of encouragement. It's always easy to look on the outside and see people in their best moments. But believe me, Kasha and I have had some rough moments and uh, mostly they all come from me. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but, but we also believe that one of the reasons we have gone through some difficulty at times is that so we can offer some hope and encouragement to other couples. Uh, Satan wants couples to think that they're the only people that really struggle with things. Satan wants couples to think, oh, we must be the only selfish couple or the only couple that has difficulty communicating. When in reality, when you really connect with other Christian couples of any denomination or tradition, you find out "Ah, we're actually pretty normal. Yeah, we, we can we can find strength and and encouragement in in other couples, and that's why it's super important not just to be a lone ranger. It's very I I take people to task on this a lot. It's very very common these days to be lone ranger Christians, where you think, well, I don't have, I don't need to go to church, I don't need to be part of a community because church is so full of hypocrites, and so people you know they spend their Sundays. You know- I know yeah. you know this, the, yeah. that they only let sinners into church. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. But I, you know, it seems like a little bit of a, of a side comment, but I really want to encourage people. You cannot possibly grow in faith, hope, and love the, the way Christ intends you to, to, to grow unless you are part of a community. And so, especially nowadays where Satan is attacking the family and attacking men and women in so many effective ways, you need other believers. You need to be part of a church. So figure out what church you're going to be part of and and dig in and don't complain that it's full of hypocrites because the reality is no church you go to is going to be perfect because you're going to it. (laughs) (laughs) So going back to when you were a kid, I know you've got, you've told me some just awesome stories about your dad and everything else. And you've got one particular story that I'd just love for you to share because it's got a teaching moment in it for for us dads. Yeah. Yeah. So as I said, one of the things that comes up a lot with people that I work with, because they are so driven, they have very high standards, is anxiety and feeling out of control and feeling overwhelmed because these are very gifted, very people with very strong work ethics. But usually because of that, they got a lot of irons in the fire and they got a lot going on. And so the, it's, it's easy for them to look at everything that they're doing in their life and be overwhelmed and be full of anxiety. And Satan is able to use that to rob them of the peace that God wants them to have. And I always tell them this story. I said, when I was uh, five years old, I was supposed to be in a piano recital. My dad was was this sort of virtuoso pianist, and he also played the organ. And he graduated with a piano performance degree from Houghton College in New York in like 1969. When he delivered his senior recital, when he performed that, the place was packed. He's just a sublimely talented pianist. He went into selling pianos, selling organs. He was also a college professor who taught music. So this is a guy that knew what he was doing. And so partly because of that, my piece that I was supposed to play in this recital was a duet. It was me and my dad. And this was a pretty big recital hall. It was a pretty well-known piano teacher. And I think there were a couple hundred people there. And there was a, there was a, a platform with a Steinway piano on there. 
And so I went up to sit down with my dad to play this piece. And I mean, it was something from, you know, teaching little hands to play where it was just a a single (laughs) note melody. It was not hard. Okay. I think it was Mary had a little lamb or something like that, but I just had to get up and play my little note. And I don't even think there were chords that I was required to play. It was just like literally a single note, but I was nervous and I, I needed some reassurance. And so in front of all these people, I look up to my father who's sitting next to me on the grand piano. And I said, dad, are you sure you can do this? <laughs> Everybody bursts into laughter because of the absurdity of asking this, you know, virtuoso, if he could do a Mary had a little lamb. And my dad didn't miss a beat. He kind of looked at it. He said, yeah, I think we got this. So Dan, I started playing my little note. Mary had a little lamb. And, uh, Sometimes I would play the right note. Sometimes I would play the wrong note. Sometimes I would play the next note too fast. Sometimes I would play the next note too little or too slow. And it didn't matter because what happened was when I started playing that, that one note melody, my father put his arms around me. He put one arm around, uh, around me and another arm around on the, on the keyboard. And he started playing this flourish of notes and, um, he took my little one note performance and he turned it into this just beautiful music. And of course the audience applauded and I don't know if we got a standing ovation, but it was just great. And I have always used that as an analogy that our job, you know, when you're in the entrepreneur space, when you're a driven person and you want to make the most of your life, you you often hear from every corner, like do the work and you'll get the results. Like, The only thing that matters is results. Now, from a purely human standpoint, that's true. Our actions do get results. We're supposed to put in the work. That's how you build a company. That's how you accomplish anything. But from a spiritual standpoint, from an eternal perspective, our job is not to produce results. Our job is simply to be faithful. And so that that means wake up every day, complete the critical task that we're able to complete, realizing that we are fallible finite human beings we we our job is to simply play our note and we need to trust that our heavenly father is going to put his arms around us he's going to add that flourish of notes and chords and beautiful music to make it all sound beautiful and and to make our lives beautiful and productive and powerful and you know this is this is a truth of scripture that is literally reaffirmed from genesis to revelation the church has taught this for centuries that God is sovereign. God is uh, what what the ancients used to call his providence. Uh, That means the way that he governs the world, the way that he puts everything together for the good. One of the most famous passages of scripture is Romans 8. And in that passage, St. Paul says, um, for we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Jesus talks about how not even a sparrow falls to the will apart from the will of God, uh, apart falls to the ground apart from the will of God. And he says, and you are worth way more than sparrows. So the, the, the unified testimony of scripture is just be faithful and trust God. Play your note. I, I love what <laughs> people, I love there's this old Southern Baptist preacher long gone many years ago, but he had a great humor. His name was Vance Havner. I called him the Mark Twain of the Southern Baptist because he was so witty. But he used to say, Romans 8, 28 doesn't say we understand how God works all things for the good. He says, 
It says, we know. He says, now, will you get past understanding and get on to knowing? He says, I don't understand how a black cow can eat green grass and give white milk, but I still like ice cream. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I love that is that we want to wrap around, like, how does God do this? We don't know how God does it, but we know he does it. And, and so I would just encourage anybody who's, who's let the devil and your own conscience rob you of joy that you are not God. Your, your job is not to orchestrate all the different factors of the world to make everything work perfectly. That's God's job. Your job is to be faithful to what you have to do today. And people say, well, what, what does that exactly mean in, in practical terms? And for me, I usually break down the typical day into three you know, three ways that we can be faithful. And they all start with L. <laughs> and the first thing is labor. Work hard at what you're called to do. As Andy says, figure out, figure out the critical tasks that you need to do to move you forward towards your goals and do them. And, and very often, it might just be three to five critical tasks that you can get done that day. But focus on that day. So it's labor. The second one is learn. You know, the, the root meaning of the word disciple is learner. We're, hmm. we're meant to learn. And ultimately, what we're supposed to learn is how to be like Jesus. But in general, our minds are a ministry that we and it's and and the cultivation of our minds is a way that we can offer an act of worship to God. God has given us brains. So every day that we live, take a little time to learn something. So labor, learn. And then most importantly is love, love people. And, you know, I again, I, I, I love how much of what Andy says it, whether he knows it or not, is supported in scripture. Absolutely and he, supported and he, in scripture. And, and it is. And one of the things he talks about, and again, just to give a little bit of background for those who don't know who Andy is, Andy is a very, very successful, Andy Fussell is a very, very successful entrepreneur in St. Louis who literally started with nothing and, and built a company that's worth nine figures right now. It's a nutritional supplement company. As I tell everybody, Andy is one of the best guys I know, but he is a guy that commit, I mean, salty language, like the day is long. So if you, if you don't like salty language, or if you can't learn something from somebody because they cuss, you're not going to be a fan of Andy, but he's a great guy. One of the things that he talks about is the reason, reason for his success as a company is he talks about the value is in the inefficiencies. And what he means by that is that in a world in which everybody's all the companies are seeking to automate every service. He teaches his people, we have to be human. We have to take time with people. We have to be personal with them. We have to write them handwritten letters. And he said, the reality is writing handwritten letters is not as efficient as, you know, automating a system to shoot out, you know, thank you for doing business with first form. But people feel valued because of that. And I would say, I'll use this word, it's because you're loving people. You are mm -hmm. truly loving people, and that's where the value is. And what Andy has identified and that has been helped him be successful in uh, the entrepreneur space, that's how we can be successful on a day-to-day -day basis is that, you know what, you might not have a very quote-unquote productive day. But if in that day, you truly loved the people that you came in contact with, you served them, then from God's perspective, that was a productive day. Yeah, you might not have gotten as, as many reps in as you wanted to in the gym. You might not have moved as far ahead in the project that you're working on at, at work. But if you truly loved everybody that you came into contact with and made it your point to serve them, that's a win. That's a win. So labor, uh, learn, and, and love. If you can 
make those three priorities every day. To me, that's, that's what it means to be faithful. God will produce results. Okay, God will produce results. Don't, don't fret about that. That's a foregone conclusion. Now, you not you might not always see the, the full extent of those results. You may have to wait until you get to heaven and go, oh, my gosh. I, I was I was an influencer in a way that I had no idea. But that's OK, because the point is not for you to, you know, have your ego stroked. It's it's to be a good servant of the Lord. And, and that when you do stand before him, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter oh now into gosh. the joy I, of your ma- I get master. tears in my eyes every time I hear that phrase. Yeah. Every time I yeah. read that phrase, like so oh, absolutely it's everything. Oh well, and I love telling this story, and it's just a quick story, Dan. But a lot of your listeners might know who Billy Graham is. Maybe not everybody. I realize that time is passing and some younger people don't know who Billy Graham was. But Billy Graham was this great Protestant preacher who who, who was a close friend of St. John Paul the Great. They had, in spite of their theological differences, they had a very warm relationship. Billy Graham preached the gospel to more people than anybody in the history of the planet because of mass transportation. Billy Graham was was a confidant to presidents and senators and Hollywood celebrities. I mean, one of the most respected ministers of his time, just an unparalleled impact of ministry. Everybody's heard of Billy Graham, Nobody's heard of a guy named Mordecai Ham. Imagine that name. Mordecai Ham is the person that Billy Graham heard the gospel from. And yet nobody's heard of him. And so my thing is that every one of us, we we have a culture. We are so obsessed with wanting to be influencers and, and wanting fame. But the reality is, is some of the most impactful people on the in the history of the world, most people probably never heard of. It's not important whether everybody knows your name. It's important whether God knows your name and mm. whether you're being used by God to impact your little corner of the world, no matter how small it is, because we have no idea how the Holy Spirit is going to take that and produce results that far exceed anything we could ask or imagine. You, you probably have heard the story of the little kid on the beach and starfish everywhere. Yeah, it's a great story. And the guy says, you know, he's throwing them back in and the guy says, hey, kid. You're never going to get them all. Yeah. He says, I'm not, I don't need to get them all. It's like, then why are you trying for? He's like, I might not get them all, but I'm going to make a difference for this one. Yeah. And it's, you know, you you just never know. So yeah, whoever, whoever, whoever taught that guy and then he taught Billy Graham, you know, you just never know. It does make a difference. And when we apply that to our own family, (laughs) when we start there, it's like, we've got to make a difference in our own family. And I, I think we got to make a difference in our own family first. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, I, I say that at a time where, you know, I always love my kids, but I'm going through a phase where I'm just super, super, just totally in love with my daughters. I, lo- I don't have to motivate myself to, they're at a really fun age and it's, we have Bible time. We have a Bible, little Bible story every day and they look forward to it and I just love it. And, and hope, and, you know, there are times I'm sure where parents are like, oh, my kids are driving me up the wall, but right, right now I'm just really enjoying my kids. They're so much fun, but no, but you're right. You're exactly right about the, the, the focusing on the one. I mean, that's all over scripture too, where Jesus talks about, how God is the kind of person who, who will, he'll leave the flock to go after the one little lamb because individuals matter to God. So if all of us focused on just pouring ourselves into one person, imagine the ripple effect to that. 
you know, mm-hmm. rather than trying to rather than trying to come up with as many likes as we could, as many followers. <laughs> so in your book, uh, we'll kind of wrap up here, but in your book, it says, what can I do to take what God has given me and put in more? Mm-hmm. So like God gives us a lot of gifts and we've got to add to it. We've got to put our own effort in. And then your book goes on to say, put in more effort to develop the talents he's given me, put in more time to serve the people around me, put in more of my resources to support his work in the world, put more of myself into everything I do so that I become all that he wants me to be. Mm-hmm. And I just love those words. Those are so inspirational. Mm. And I think about how I spend my time, how I spend my time and how all the things that don't matter for the long term just keep getting whittled and whittled and whittled out of my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't miss them. Yeah. What I do love is conversations like these. What I do love is the Bible stories with my kids. What I do love is when I see them growing in their faith. What I do love is when my wife knows that I care for her, like all those things. And then other people go, Hey, I saw that. Yeah. How can I do that? How can I repeat that? Hey, I could use some help today. I got a message from a guy. I sent him a note for no reason. And he sent a note back and he's like, dude, I'm just broken in that area right now in my life. He didn't ask for help. He didn't ask for prayers. He didn't just sort of, he goes, I got to confess. I didn't ask him to, you know, like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but I know that we're going to continually have conversations about this until mm-hmm. he gets some momentum in this area of his life. And it's a pretty important one. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a family thing and his wife's having some struggles with her faith and it's just absolutely broken him. But I'm like, he's got faith and belief and he's anyway, it, yeah. these little things that we do to be the best we can be. And, and stay in union and harmony with God, even when we don't feel like it, mm-hmm. doing the hard things and we'll have the eternal reward and that will impact our family and spread out from there. Absolutely. And, you know, the qualification that I always make, Dan, is, is you know, there's, there's often this overlap between fitness and personal development and excellence. And in, in the world of fitness, you know, you've put in more effort because you're just exhausted. Like if you go to, you know, if yes. you go to, if you go to, uh, to do a workout, you, you, you know, no pain, no gain, and you've really pushed yourself. And when you're done, you're exhausted, right? I want to caution people to, to take that criteria and apply it to the stewardship of your life. Because yes, there will be times where you have a day where you really have to work hard. And at the end of the day, you're exhausted. But particularly with overachieving people, particularly with driven people, we have this idea that unless we push ourselves to exhaustion or fatigue or, you know, some sort of pain, we're not really giving our all to God. And I, I want to combat that because I, I think, you know, we did not, you know, there's this old saying that, you know, preachers in a couple generations ago used to say the devil next never takes a vacation. So neither will I, you know, well, that's dumb. Cause first of all, we don't, we don't serve the devil. We serve Jesus. And Jesus said, come apart and rest a while. And he said, take your, take my, uh, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So I think it's important as we seek to put in more to realize that, that what I mean by that is consistently put yourself in a place where you are receiving God's grace, where you're coming close to him and let him empower you 
to accomplish more, to be more that he intended you to be. There's a great book years ago that was written called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. And in the first couple years of uh, Hudson Taylor was a famous missionary to China. In the first couple years of his life, he was just worn out. And he was trying to be a better Christian and a better missionary. And he finally came to this conclusion that like, he's like, what am I doing to myself? And his, his Hudson Taylor's quote unquote spiritual secret is this. It's how do I get more faith? Not by striving after it, but by learning to rest in the faithful one. And that's the paradox is that we are going to put, be able to put in more into our life when we put ourselves into the position of being with God, of, of gaining strength from him, of gaining grace from him. And that's why just quiet times of prayer are so important. Going alone, you know, finding your time alone with God, that's so important, being consistent and literally asking God, saying, God, I don't want to do this on my strength because I can't, but will you, will you help me to accomplish more in my life? Will you make me have a, a, a bigger impact, but not in my strength, but in your strength and in the power of your grace. That's the key. So I don't, I don't ever want anybody to read my book and be like, oh, now I got to be frantically working to put in more, put in more, put in more. No, no, no. Be with God and let him work through you. Oh, absolutely. That's a fantastic way to end the podcast. However, as we end every podcast, <laughs> Have you got a challenge for the guys? Can you think of something maybe for them to do in this coming week? Well, I think, you know, again, I, I, I'm at a point in my life where I just I keep on getting hit over the head with the fact that that Jesus himself taught us how to pray and that he gave us the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is all the components for holiness. It's all the components of the gospel. It's all the components we need to live an extraordinary life. So I don't know when this is going to go out, Dan, but we're at, uh, let's see, as we're recording this, it's March 19th. Maybe people could, maybe my challenge is as we, as we ramp up to April or the beginning of a month, maybe commit to praying that prayer reflectively, slowly, earnestly every day and ask God, teach me what this means. Impact me with this prayer. That would be, I think that's a, that's a challenge for me because Lately, I have been telling my wife over and over again, our culture is in such disarray. We are not going to talk people out of wrong living. We are not going to talk people out of wrong thinking. Literally, the hope of our culture is not electing the right president or getting the right laws passed. The hope of our culture is a renewal that can only come when we seek God in prayer and he extends his grace to America and into the whole world. So my, so that's my, I'm trying to be the, become the best prayer warrior that I can best possibly be. And so that would, that would be my, my challenge to you. And also read my book. <laughs> <laughs> I highly encourage everybody to read this book. It's got so many fun stories in it. It's got so many quotes here and there. It's so many different things are taken from different places. And what I love about it is this is a book that you can read and get something from no matter where you are in your spiritual walk. And it's a book that you can give to the guy that says, Hey, I've had no faith life whatsoever. How can I get started? Yeah. And there's a bunch of just references to modern culture and everything in this book. So yeah. that it gives them something to relate to as well. It's, it's, it's just a masterpiece. I, I love how simple it is, how fun it is how it's a book that anybody can read Christian, non-Christian doesn't matter. And there's so much good stuff in it. And then the reflective question is at the end of every chapter really make you think. And as a matter of fact, I said, I was going to end this, but I do have a reflective question for you. Yeah. 
Can I say something real quick about that? Just on a, on a, a logistical point, uh, I'm working with a great guy who's helping me completely overhaul my, uh, my website, which is vonkohler.com. Right now, if you want the book, just go directly to Amazon and search Von Kohler and then Sacred Drive. Sacred Drive. Yeah, is, is the book. Eventually on my, on my website, I will have a, a page dedicated to it. Um, <laughs> there you go. It was, it disappeared for a second, but uh, on my website, I will have a, a page dedicated to it. And, and I, I also, I'm a, uh, would love to encourage your uh, audience to, uh, I have a weekly newsletter that I send out, but you can sign up for that at my website. And uh, the whole point of the newsletter is. Vaughn's new letters are fantastic, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. On a broad, on a broad scale, it's just. Newsletters are terrible. Vaughn's are great. <laughs> well, on a broad scale, it's just, I'm helping you to, to make the most of your life and get more out of yourself, uh, of yourself. And, and it's really an integration. I'm seeking to integrate uh, personal development type stuff with the scriptures and what God himself wants us to do in terms of pursuing our, our God-given potential. So, and right every now, ta- wanna... every time I get one, I get excited. I read <laughs> Thank it you. right then and there. I appreciate that. So that was right. what I was going to say back to your reflective, reflective question. So here's the question for you. I don't know if you ever heard this one before. If not, if so, it might be easy and you might be able to reflect from the perspective of what happened when you first heard it. But if this is the first time, whatever it is, but so here's the question. How much happiness are you willing to accept into your life? <laughs> well, I think there's a direct correlation between uh, our commitment to Christ and the level of joy that we experience in the world. And I, I intentionally changed the word to joy because I think joy is an attitude. You know, happiness is fleeting. You can be happy because good things happen to you. And, but joy is just this attitude of, of finding your real, real delight in God. And I, I think that, I think that just all depends on uh, my, my level of commitment to Christ. So hopefully I'm, I'm increasing in that commitment every day, but you know, I want as much as God will give me, but uh, in saying that, I also realize that God's, God's only going to give me as much of himself as I actively pursue, you know, He's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. What an awesome answer. And uh, yeah, in the future, I'll switch that, switch that to joy. But yeah. Well, well it w- seems like an arbitrary distinction, but it's really not. Because it's not you know, at scripture, all. scriptures talk a lot. I mean, scriptures do talk about happiness, but but joy is really an attitude. I mean, because when Paul is writing, for instance, uh, the letter to the Philippians, and he's writing from jail, Paul's not loving being in jail. He's not loving, you know, being persecuted for Christ, but he is taking joy in the midst of his suffering because he is in the presence of God. He is doing God's will, and he's taking the attitude that, you know, all things work together for the good, so I can have joy in the midst of this really tough time, so. I think our ability to have joy is de- directly commensurate with how how committed we are to coming close to Christ and to be obedient to Him in all in all every aspect of our life. First time I heard the question, kind of had the what you're saying. My initial answer was, "Oh, all all I can have, like I'll have all of it." <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and then I paused for a second and I thought, "Is that really true?" And my next thought was, no, it's absolutely not true because there's areas of my life that I'm comfortable and I'm afraid to move forward and have a breakthrough and accept 
all the, you know, all the happiness I can have, all the joy and abundance I can have. And I'm like, well, I've got some work to do there. I'm not willing to accept love in my life in certain yeah. areas as much as I can have. I'm willing to accept some. I'm willing to accept even a little bit more, but I'm not, I'm not willing to actually accept yeah. all. Yeah. And I was sure. blown away when I paused and said, wow, what a simple question. What a simple, easy answer. And turns out my answer, I'm like, I, I'm actually yeah. limiting this so that I can stay within my comfort zone. Yeah. I, can, I can expand in this way. And I just didn't know I could. Yep. Absolutely. And I, and I agree a key to doing that would be to grow in love with Christ. For sure. It all seems to work together. <laughs> it really does. It really does. Oh, well, thank you so, so much for your time. And you thank bet. you even more for finishing your book. Because <laughs> I've been waiting years yes. to read it. So thank, thank you. you, Vaughn. I appreciate it. No, I'm happy to do it. Thank you, Dan. It's been great to be on. Absolutely. My pleasure. And I can't wait to get this book in the hands of so many people. So thank you, Vaughn. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and I hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.